Well, we are, I think, two weeks away from Christmas. Everybody excited about Christmas? Well, few people are. So we are also in our Advent series, and I'm excited about that. Before I say that, I want to just thank God for our senior pastor, Pastor Louis Burgos. We honor you today, Pastor Senny, and all of the pastors and the evangelists and all of the leaders here at Citywide Church. Citywide Church is a phenomenal, it has a phenomenal leadership team. And I just want to say thank God for being a part of it. I serve as the executive pastor here at Citywide Church, and I'm grateful for uh, what he has called me to do. Amen. And so we're in the midst of our Advent series. Last week, Pastor Lewis, he began the series and he spoke on when hope hits. How many of you remember that? I'm sure you have some great notes on that. So today is the second week and the Advent season is a time of preparation that directs us and directs our hearts and minds to the anniversary of the birth of Christ. Advent encompasses the four Sundays and weeks leading up into Christmas. The celebration of the birth of Christ. Many people don't even know what the true meaning of Christmas really is. But how many of you are glad that you understand the true meaning of Christmas? And they don't really understand the significance behind it. But if you were here last week, especially if you took notes... (laughs) you have a better understanding of what the Advent season is all about. So I want you to turn around and tell your neighbors, touch somebody and say, make sure you take notes. Okay, I'm going to ask you a question. I want you to raise your hand. How many have ever been in a serious fight? Raise your hand. Not with your husband, not with your wife, just maybe a friend or an enemy or whatever. Raise your hand if you've been in a fight before. I mean, a a knock down, drag out fight. (laughs) Well, I can remember three fights that I have been in in my life. Yeah, three, three fights that I have been in in my life. And let me tell you something. I will never, ever forget neither one of them. The first fight was with my brother. He's a year younger than me. And um, we were in the kitchen and I had this boyfriend in the kitchen and in the house I'm not going to tell you who he was. If you think long enough, you'll figure it out. But it was Pastor Lenny. I think we were probably about 17 or what. I don't know. But um, he was over. We finally let him in because I was ducking and dodging. I finally let him in, but I was trying to impress him. So I was trying to make him some tea. My brother was trying to get to the sink. And um, I was pushing him out because, you know, trying to, you know, be all cool and whatever in front of your man. And so we ended up in a fight. I mean, a real fight. And my husband now, all he did was sit in the chair. He did not move. He did not do anything. So I still married him though. (laughs) Funny. But um, we we, I guess we learned early. You stay out of family stuff. But anyway, I ended up getting a black eye from that fight. My brother never lived that down. He, to this day, he hates to hear about it because he's so shamed about it. He's a loving, loving person. But that day, I got a black eye. The second fight I had was because of a lie. Any of you ever been mixed up in this he say, she say stuff? 
And um, so I was mixed up in it, and they were talking about me. So this one particular girl that was talking about me, I went to her house and confronted her. I didn't go alone because the whole neighborhood was following me. Now, I grew up in the ghetto, <laughs> in the hood, so the whole neighborhood followed me to that house, and guess what? That girl beat my butt, like, I <laughs> believe. That's a fight I will never, ever forget. She ended up being my good friend. Anyway, so the third fight that I had was with my sister Lucy. This time she, I mean, I guess I just couldn't fight because I was losing all these fights. Anyway, I'm not a fighter. I'm a lover. Hallelujah. <laughs> so this third fight was with my sister, my sister Lucy. She's older than me, and but you didn't play with her. You just didn't because she ruled the house. And so we ended up in a fight because I wasn't listening to her. And she was beating me up so bad that I, <laughs> I literally started acting like I was crazy because I wanted her to leave me alone. I was just, you know, I just went crazy because I didn't know how to get her to leave me alone. So, but that didn't help. She didn't stop. <laughs> so all of a sudden I just played dead. I played dead and she got scared and she started consoling me and, um, she helped me. I will never forget that because she beat my butt. She really did. So when we were kids, I can remember being on the playground at school or in the neighborhood. If you're, if you're from a neighborhood like I was from, you knew that when a fight came, everybody was coming. So and whenever there was a fight, somebody would scream, fight, fight. And everybody would come running. There would always be that one person who would be the mediator to come between us, to come between those two people that were fighting. And they would either tell them to go home or to go to class. And then they would say something like, for the rest of the people, it's over. Somebody say it's over. In my neighborhood, there was this girl. I guess I'll probably think I was a little wimp. But anyway, like I said... <laughs> I was a lover and not a fighter. There was this girl who bullied me all the time. But one day when I was walking to the store, because in order to get to the corner store, I had to go by her building. And one day I was walking to the store with my sister, Lucy. <laughs> Nobody played with Lucy in Bearsley Terrace. She was rough. And so when I saw the girl, I stopped and she said, come on, what are you doing? I said, I'm not going. That girl, she's always bothering me. And she said, what girl? I said, her. My sister laid eyes on her. The girl laid eyes on my sister. That girl flew. She ran. And all I could think to myself, God is over now. That girl ain't bothering me no more. Because she saw my sister Lucy. And my sister was no joke. So we've seen how the big brother or the big sister comes to the rescue of a little sister or a little brother. And, and everybody who sees the older person that everybody's scared of, when they see them coming, they, something, they say something like, well, it's over now because this person is going to take care of it. Because you never know who the bully is, is about to beat up, right? So... And if we were to compare ourselves, and I'm just going to use Muhammad Ali, that none of us would be a, a match. Anybody want to raise your hand and say you would be a match for Muhammad Ali 
or Mike Tyson. I don't got anybody in the room. Okay. So it would, that, that kind of scenario would be like one of us versus Muhammad Ali or Mike Tyson. One thing about Muhammad Ali, Muhammad Ali, he didn't need a promoter. He would promote his own fights. How many of you know that? But I want us to go back. I want to bring out a point right here. And I want us to go back to the book of Genesis where Pastor Lewis, he pointed out last week. And we want to see in the book of Genesis 3.15, we want to see how man's disobedience put man at odds with God. Adam and Eve believed the lie the devil told them. They disobeyed God. God placed judgment on Adam. He placed judgment on Eve, and he placed judgment on the serpent. These, the peaceful relationship that they enjoyed was no more because they sinned. And at the end of the judgment, he gave a promise. He promised that at the appointed time, he would deal with the evil one, that he would deal with the serpent. He would deal with the deceiver. He would deal with the liar. He would deal with the devil. Genesis 3.15 says, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. This, to me, I see this as God promoting his own fight. You see it? In Genesis 3.15, it prophesies about the fight between Jesus and Satan that would once and for all settle the hostility between God and man. So today, I want to talk to you about the peace Jesus brings. Can we say that? The peace Jesus brings. In Luke 2, 8 through 14, it says, And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all of the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. The 13th, the 14th verse says, And suddenly there was the angel, a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. So in this verse, we can see in these verses that we just read that Luke, the author, was a New Testament believer who was inspired by the Holy Spirit to tell the story of Christ. His primary audience is the Gentiles who were non-believers. They were, they were, they were non-Jews. He starts the story of Jesus in chapter one with the angelic visit from Gabriel to Mary, telling her that she would give birth to the Messiah. Can you imagine? 
The verses that I just read in chapter two are part of the angelic birth announcement to a group of shepherds. Let's look again at what the angels pronounce in verse 14. They sing glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Many people believe that this verse is proclaiming peace on earth for men. This is not a pronouncement by the angels of peace on earth for men. Because we still have war. We still have rumors of war. There's still hatred. There's still killing. There's still horrific things that happen in our world. And there's still family dysfunction that's got us grieved to the core. And this announcement of peace... It wasn't for men. Let me tell you, this is heaven's response to the long awaited promise in Genesis 3.15 that the angels were saying, fight, 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 fight. (laughs) And the whole host of angels were all around because they knew that Jesus was coming and he was going to kick the devil's butt. The devil is about to be defeated. This is the beginning of God's anticipated end because the work of Jesus was God's fight back plan. It's a pronouncement that Jesus, the mediator is coming and he is going to bring peace between God and man, not for man, but between God and man, because there was animosity between man and God because of what Adam and Eve did. They were announcing that Jesus would be the one who would reconcile man back to God. Sin separated us from God and made us at odds with God. From Genesis to Jesus, man's relationship with God was strained. Romans 5.10 says that we were enemies with God. Jesus came to break the dividing wall that separated us from God. Christmas is just not about toys and games and Christmas trees and Christmas lights. It's about Jesus. He changed the way that we approach God. He not only changed the way we approach God, he opens the way for all to approach him. Because up until this time, there were only a few that could go before God on behalf of the people. He's known as the mediator. He is the big brother coming to rescue all of heaven is, sh- is shout glory to God in the highest because it is over. We can know him as our mediator, the peacemaker. Point number one, know Jesus, no peace. Let me say that again. Know Jesus, no peace. We must come to know Jesus as the mediator, the one who came, who settled heaven's demands for the penalty of sin, because we couldn't do it. We couldn't do it. There was no man on earth that could do it. Jesus forever changed the way that we approach God. And we never have to go before God with the sense of guilt, with the sense of inferiority, with the sense that he doesn't love us. We can go before him with a free, open spirit. The Bible says that we can come before the throne of grace 
boldly. And it's the trick of the enemy to get us to come any other kind of way. Adam and Eve hid from God. They recognized the voice of God, but they didn't know the heart of God. Moses knew the heart of God. He pleaded with God to turn from his fierce wrath and repent for this evil that he was about to do against his people. And guess what God did? He repented and he did not destroy. He heard Moses's prayer. Moses fought for the people of Israel. He interceded on their behalf. In Galatians 3.19, it calls Moses an, a mediator. The dictionary defines a mediator as someone who seeks to resolve differences between two or more conflicting parties. We were conflicting parties against God. Moses pleaded with God for the nation of Israel. The children of Israel, they molded a calf and they worshiped it. And God was not pleased with that. But Moses interceded on their behalf as their mediator. The apostle Paul wrote, he says, for this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant. Because Moses could not continue to be the mediator on behalf of the people. It was just a type and a shadow of what was to come. Romans 5.10 says, for a while we were enemies. We were reconciled to God by the death of his son. What does reconciliation mean? Reconciliation is the process of ransoming man from his state of sin and spiritual darkness and, a restore, and of restoring him to a state of harmony and unity with God. Some of us are still fighting a fight that has already been mediated. And some of us are waiting on the sideline, waiting for someone to make the first move. Some of us are holding on to stuff that's keeping us in darkness and is keeping us from being in harmony and unity with God. Turn around, tell your neighbor, it's time to let it go. Tell them the fight is over. One of the definitions of the word no means to perceive or understand as fact or truth. Once you come to know once you come to perceive and once you come to understand the truth about Jesus, the mediator, you will also come to know that there is no peace without Jesus. Point number two, no Jesus, no peace. Amen. No Jesus, no peace. Why? Because he is our peace. Ephesians 2, 14 says, for he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh, the dividing wall of hostility. Come on now. That's the word coming alive. And it says in first John 2, 2, and he is the propitiation, propitiation, which he is the one who appeased the wrath of God. For our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole wide world. Therefore, his mercy is extended to all men. So because of Jesus, God has been reconciled to man. Now, all that is left is for man to be reconciled to God. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am 
am the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. He's the way to the Father. So many of us are ducking and dodging God like I was. I was ducking and dodging from that bully. But listen, God is not a bully. God loves us. He loves you. And he's longing for that relationship with you. So we're, we're living under a better covenant with better promises. God is not out to condemn us. He's trying to bless us. However, the farther we walk away from the Lord, the farther we get from his protection. So I'm not, I'm not up here preaching a, you know, a grace, do whatever you want to do thing. But the farther you get away from God, the farther you get away from his protection. And the farther you get away from his protection, the farther you get away from his blessings. So God won't force himself on you. But many of us, we say we've been reconciled, but it's a, 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 a lip, um, just words coming out of our mouth, but nothing happened from within. God reconciled with man through Jesus. We too must choose to be reconciled. And I say choose. It's a choice that we make to be reconciled to God. It's a two-way communication. We just can't come to church and assume that we are reconciled because we do good things. There's no way we can earn our way into heaven. There's no way we can earn ourselves into good graces with God because Jesus did that. He settled that. And there's nothing we can do. There's nothing we can uh, purchase. There's nothing that any of us can do. We just need to receive God reconciled with man through Jesus. Whoever believes in him, the scripture says, is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already. Because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. Without a change of heart and a change of direction, we will forsake our own mercies. We will suffer forsake our own mercies, the mercies that are continuously extended to us by our father through Jesus, we will forsake them if we don't process this thing. In order for the process of reconciliation to begin on our part, we must accept the work of Jesus in our heart. And that's how we become born again. And I, I, I would just venture to say that the majority of us in this room are probably born again. Born of God, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed. And that seed produces fruit. Peace is a fruit of the spirit that is developed through trials. It becomes a weapon. Have you, and, 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 and the Bible says that our feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Which means that we have the ability to go forth and change the atmosphere wherever we are. We have the ability to change situations because we have, uh, we have the weapon and the armor of the gospel of peace. We talk about peace. We sing about peace. How about if we be about peace? Amen. We can find ourselves in some messed up situations, but no matter what happens around us, we can remain in peace. 
God's peace stands like a guard, like a personal bodyguard over our hearts. The scripture says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And guess what? (laughs) And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. This is, is a conditional. He says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart. So we got to put some work in it. (laughs) We got to put some time in it. We got to put some trust in it. Trust in the almighty God. We got to put some faith to work in this thing. When things aren't going the way we think they ought to go, we got to put our best foot forward with faith and trust and believe that we don't have to be anxious for nothing. But if everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. So the, the writer says, and everything gives thanks for this is the will of God concerning us. Somebody said, I don't know. I don't know about the situation that I am. I don't see myself giving thanks, but don't you know you can praise your way out of it? Don't you know you can thank your way out of it? Don't you know that peace will be your guide and people will look at you and say, how in the world did you get through what you're going through? How in the world that in the worst time of your life that you are still smiling? I'm talking about the peace of God. I'm talking about the creator of the universe. I'm talking about Jesus, the one who has all power and authority, who delegated it to us so that we can operate in perfect peace. Thank you, Lord. So we don't have to be anxious for nothing. Now, I'm not saying that there are not people who are suffering in our world. Because anxiety disorders are the most common mental illness in the United States of America. And it affects 40 million adults. And that's almost 20% of the population. Generalized anxiety disorder, which is GAD, is the most common anxiety disorder in the United States of America. That affects 6.8 million adults. My God is right. But guess what? (laughs) I got good news. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. The scripture says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God. You might have gone through the most worst time in your life. And I can't say that you ain't feeling that thing in your soul realm and you're not suffering. But let me tell you something. He promised to be with us, never to leave us, never to forsake us. And if God is with us, God is for us. And if God is for us, he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. And the thing about it is we compare ourselves to the world. The world goes through one way, but the church goes through another way. So which way do you want to be? You got to get off the fence and decide to go through with the Lord. Because with the Lord's power, we can get through anything. 
So this peace grows from within as we mature. John 14, 27 says, the peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled and do not let it be afraid. Point number three, the peace that Jesus brings is peace like no other. One preacher said it like this, where there is peace in the heart, there is peace in the family. And when there is peace in the family, we're talking about God's peace. Thank you. We're talking about peace with God, the peace of God. When there is peace in the family, there is peace in the community. When there is peace in the community, there is peace in the nation. And when there is peace in the nation, there is peace in the world. This peace comes from within. Peace like no other is peace that will motivate you to love your enemy. It'll motivate you to love that person that lied on you. Has there ever been a time where you felt like you wanted to flip out on somebody? (laughs) Or when you're, you feel like you're falling apart? But all of a sudden, you felt God hold you together and give you that peace that passes all understanding. That's that inner peace that comes from within. I'm talking about the peace that sustained me when I was going through when somebody hurt my son. Let me put it that way. That's the peace that passes all understanding. The kind of peace that you're willing to die for, to stand for. Before Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit, he had peace till persecution came. He got it together. How many of you know there are thousands and thousands of people who are resting in the peace of God and have given their lives all throughout the New Testament. The majority of the disciples gave their lives, but they had a smile on their face. What kind of peace is that? That's the peace of God. That's the assurance that I will be with him always. And no matter what happens, I will come out on top. You can't have outward peace without inward peace. The world works on outward peace first. And they're trying to buy peace through materialistic things. And some of us will spend thousands of dollars for temporary happiness. But you can't buy peace. Not the peace of God. The peace that passes all understanding. So don't go spend your money. And then in January, you're miserable. Stay steady with the peace of God. The work that Christ does begins in the heart. And works his way outward. The Bible, and I only saw this scripture while I was studying for this sermon. 
I don't know if I've ever noticed it, but I thank God for it. And I'm going to use it for my good. Did you know that we can have an unlimited supply of peace? Paul writes in 2 Thessalonians 3.16, Now the Lord of peace himself give you peace always by all means. So no matter what is happening, we can still have peace. Wow. The angels announced the greatest fight of all times. It was the ultimate good news to all of mankind. They said, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Colossians 2, 14 to 16, the fight happened. Paul writes about it. He said, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with his legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. When Jesus was on the cross, he said these words, it is finished. He satisfied the demands of the father. And now we can all have clear and free access to the father God. And we can have that beautiful relationship that he originally intended for us to have, where he would meet Adam and Eve every single day. And one thing about God, he continued to be there. It was Adam and Eve who walked away and hid themselves. But God in his mercy, he still came and he gave a promise to bring them up out of what they were in. It might've taken a long time, but through Genesis to Malachi, we can see God making a way through types and shadows to destroy the enemy, to strip him of the power that Adam and Eve gave him in the garden. He became the God of this world, but he is no longer the God of our lives because we are free. We are free. Stand to your feet with me. The peace that Jesus brings, we can know Jesus and know peace. Ain't that good news? But know Jesus, know peace. The peace that Jesus brings is peace like no other. And some of us are standing here right now saying, you know what, I got all this stuff going on in my mind, Pastor Mary. And I don't really think that I'll ever be able to experience the peace that you're talking about. Well, guess what? It's like you're standing on the sideline right now and the fight is over and you're still an instigator and you're allowing the devil to use you to lie because he already promised that we can have peace that passes all understanding. So who are you gonna believe this morning? Who are you gonna receive? The Bible says, be reconciled to God. God, through Jesus, was reconciled to us. Now we got to be reconciled to him. Let's make that match. (laughs) The match made in heaven. 
because that was his number one intended person purpose. Jesus gives peace, not as the world gives. But he left a legacy of peace. His legacy is not the ordinary type of legacy. Most people leave a legacy of money, land, houses, or material possessions. But Jesus left us peace. Thank you, Lord. Lift your hands. Jesus left us his peace. You can't get no better than that. Because if you got peace and you don't have a brown penny in your pocket, you're okay. We have Jesus, the Prince of Peace, who brings peace with God and the peace of God, which passes all understanding. Somebody say, I receive you, Jesus. I receive you as the Prince of Peace. I receive you as my mediator. The angels proclaim good news. Thank you. The good news is, is that the fight is over. Somebody say it's over. Doesn't that excite you? It's over. It's over. He defeated the devil. He overcame the one who has been stealing your peace. Get your peace back. Come on, get your peace back. The good news is he is our great defender. You don't have to fight no more. Glory to God. I'm happy about that because I sure didn't like fighting. The fact that I was losing was the proof. I was just influenced, and some of us are influenced by the enemy. A negative influence that is destroying us, destroying our families, robbing you of your destiny because you're believing the lie. But I'm here to tell you, it's over. It's over. The good news is that he overcame sickness. That there is nothing dividing you from getting what you need from God. And now, Jesus, the mediator, is our great intercessor. He's seated at the right hand of God making intercessions for us. We got our big brother. We got our Lord and Savior. We got our King of Kings. We got Yeshua, the one and only. Whoever lives for the purpose of interceding on our behalf. That's good news. That's good news. So it's time to lay it down. It's time to lay it down. And I implore you, be reconciled to God. Receive the peace of Jesus and be reconciled to God. 
God loves us. And no one gives peace. There's nothing to be compared. So if you're wasting time on the mediocrity of your own, your own problems, your own misery, sometimes we love our own misery. And sometimes where it's just a default, we're so used to doing it, we go back to it. Even when we try to get up out of it, we go back to it. And we keep, we get out, we go back. We get out, we go back. But we don't have to remain in that cycle anymore. Because when he defeated the enemy, he gave us the ability to have authority and to speak on our behalf because he delegated that authority to us. And he gave us his authority. And we can speak on our own behalf. And we can tell the devil where to go. And we can remind him that he is a loser. Lift your hands with me. I don't know if there's someone in here. Maybe you are someone who has never met the Prince of Peace. And you don't even, you're like, what kind of peace is this woman talking about? I'm telling you that the peace is real. Jesus is real. And you can have this peace. I don't care where you've been. I don't care where you've been last night. I don't care who you was doing it with, wherever you were. I'm telling you that Jesus is able to pick you up out of your misery and give you the peace that passes all your understanding and my understanding. That's the peace that we need. But the enemy's been lying to us. And many of us here today we're in that number of the people who are suffering from anxiety. But we don't have to be in that number. We're in a whole nother number. We're in a whole nother realm where the peace flows like a river. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for your grace today. Thank you for your peace today. Thank you for your people today. Thank you, Father, that it fell on good ground and it'll bring forth fruit. As the altar workers come, I'm going to say to you this morning that Jesus, he did everything that was necessary. You ever go to the doctor and the doctor give you a prescription? You're not going to get another prescription. There's no other prescription. This is it. It's done. He did it. All you got to do is be reconciled to God. So if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, I ask you to come, come now. And get to know the Prince of Peace. The one, no matter what you're going through, he'll help you through it. If you rely upon him and not upon yourself, not upon the enemy. I'm telling you today that he is here. He is here, the peace of God. The shalom of God is here. And the word of God has come to set you free. So I want you, if you're here today and you don't know the Prince of Peace, I want you to raise your hand right now. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Just raise your hand this morning. I see a hand. Give the Lord a hand clap. And then I'm going to ask you to just come forward. Maybe you need someone to pray with you, to agree with you, to help you. You don't have to live the 
yourself, yeah, right, lady. I say to you, don't believe the lie. You can have the peace of God. You can have the peace of God. Because he came to seek and save the lost, number one. But he came to destroy the yokes of the devil. And we don't have to be entangled and bound in any kind of addiction, in any kind of misery. He came to set us free. You can be free today. So I ask you to come. Come and allow someone to pray with you. Come and receive what Jesus paid for you to have. Come right now in the name of Jesus. Come in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord.